If you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat, if you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck, or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket, and keep your feet tucked up safe because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend. Okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. That's good. It's been a while. Yeah. Why didn't we see each other? Because I was on holidays last week and I didn't do any research and I had a photo shoot on the Friday night. Okay. And I thought I can't. I thought I was the one who was like, I can't no, do it. No, I think I asked you if you wanted to do Sunday and you said you had a barbecue or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. That and so we just decided to just wait a week. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what happened this week. It was back to school. It was weird. I know. How'd your back to how'd the back to school go? Good. How'd your son do? He loved it. Yeah. Well, he was mad because him and another person are the only ones who got separated from like their split classes, kindergarten. Oh, okay. And they got separated out of the class that they were in with the teachers last year. And yeah. all of his friends were in the other class. Oh, um, that's not fun. Yeah. It didn't make any sense why they chose them unless they just didn't have that many. You might be able to talk to the kids. teacher. That happened to Lucas when he was in JK and yeah. then he got put into the other class for SK and you're not supposed to yeah they're supposed to stay in the same class so the teacher was like called me I think about a week after school started and he's like I just want to know let you know I was able to switch him back into my class oh, really? and I'm like oh that's awesome uh did you complain I didn't complain I just, just yeah because Lucas was also in soccer at the time and Lucas's kindergarten teacher runs the United Negro United Soccer Club oh yeah so he was on he was just on the field yeah. and I was like hey, how come Lucas isn't in your class? I'm like, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't care. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. It is a big deal because he's not with all of his other friends. Like, he saw them going and he was upset. Oh. There's only, like, 10 SKs in his class. I don't know if this makes any sense for anybody who's listening in the States. Um, <laughs> but he got his best friend. So I think that they're aware of it because his best oh, okay. friend that he, like, loves the most, she's now his girlfriend, according to him. Aw. And um, they're in it together. So I don't want to ask for a switch because I think it's nice that they're together. And I think yep. that they'll get oh, – hopefully they'll get over it. He seems to be doing okay. Yeah. But he does miss some of his friends. He t- he's talked about it a little bit. Yeah, like, I don't think Lucas would have cared. And, I mean, the two classes are joined, so they do a lot of stuff together anyway. So yeah. it wouldn't have been a big deal. And, like, I didn't care. Like, I didn't ask for a switch. Yeah. It would, just, just I happened. just happened to mention, yeah. like, how come? Because my understanding was they stay in the same yeah. class. Yeah. I just wanted to know if there was a reason. Yeah. But. Yeah, I have no idea. And I think that maybe they purposefully put the two of them together so they at least had each other so they didn't care. And That's cute, he though. seems to be doing okay. And our neighbor's little guy started JK and he's in the same class. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be okay now. But at, at first, I, we were kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, but it's all good. Awesome. Yeah. And he loves school. He's, so, he's, he likes school the same way I like school, like very social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the back to school shopping, like the stationery notebooks binders pens that's what you like the stationery not the clothes no no because I, I didn't get into clothes until like maybe the last yeah five years yeah clothes I didn't w- even buy new clothes really this year we got stuff in, that we, he needed that, that didn't oh yeah I didn't buy him. the boys clothes they they're growing too fast I need yeah. to wait to yeah. get them stuff for like fall and winter yeah that's fair how did they have did they have a good time yeah yeah they're they were glad to be back see all their friends I'm glad that they're back everyone's back into routines and yeah predictability Feels like normal and, yes yeah Yes. Um, I have a funny story that happened today. Okay, go. I was um, not even doing research. It just kind of felt like it was appropriate to try to watch finally. So I was watching Hail Satan today, the documentary on Netflix. Just like I didn't even get very far into it. But I had the windows open because it's so nice. 
Uh-huh. And the mailman walked up right when they were at like a rally being like, hail Satan, hail Satan. <laughs> and I paused it and it was loud. Like the, I don't uh-huh. know why I had it on so loud. I just did. And I don't know if I made it worse because I paused it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like okay, that mailman for sure heard. Like he definitely heard it. <laughs> he couldn't not have heard it. And then I stopped it. So it's almost even worse. Like it was guilty. And I was like, <laughs> he's going to report me. At least he won't burgle my house because he'll know that. That's I, right. Yeah. Think he'll think that there's nefarious something going things on. happening yeah. in your home. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really funny. I was like, is this, this says a lot about my family, I think. <laughs> like about me. What's going on? So should we get into it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Megan. I'm Sarah. And this is? It happened to a friend of a friend. I love throwing you off. <laughs> Why do you like to do that to I me? I don't know. It's fun. So, oh my God. The battery what? says seven minutes remaining. Is it plugged in? Is it pushed in all the way? No, now it is. I fixed it. Okay. Fixed it. We're good. Oh, can you okay. imagine? Well, you could just come over here and we would just record yeah. off my mic. Yeah. It'd be or fine. plug it in and it's restart. Yes. But. Or just properly plug it in. It's all good. Who, um, I'm going, you're going first. I think I'm going first. Okay. What did you, we're surprising each other again. Yes. What are you doing? So I'm not telling you yet, but first I'm going to read my sources. Okay. So I have Wikipedia, Forbes, Mental Floss, Live Science, Smithsonian Institute and Legends of America. Ooh. Yeah. I like how your sources don't really give anything away, but they make it sound like it could be really exciting. I'm, not, I'm still not going to say what I'm doing. Okay. I'll yeah. say it after. Okay. I know. It's a fact. Go for it. Yeah. The French are glad to die for love. They delight in fighting duels, but I prefer a man who lives and gives expensive jewels. A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. These words, sung by the late, great Marilyn Monroe, may not have started the diamond craze, but they definitely made many girls aware of the allure of the sparkling gemstones. I said that weird gemstones. Gem. <laughs> I didn't gems. read my sentence properly. It's very creepy gemstones. Gemstones. Okay. As a young girl, I was never into jewels. Even now, I'm not big on extravagant pieces. I never even wear my wedding rings. However, I understand the allure of having a rare or interesting stone on your finger or affixed to a pair of earrings. Now, are you drawn by sparkly pieces of jewelry? Mm, yes. Yes? Kind of. You like sparkles? I do. Diamonds are my uh, birthstone. So, like, Ooh, I just, like, I didn't get them you. all the time, but I didn't, yeah. like, I, I associated it more with, like, that specialty than, like, ooh, a diamond. Right. But I do like, I like jewelry, but I'm cheap too. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it does. Like, I like to wear, I usually just wear fake stuff. I like to wear jewelry, like as accessories when I put yeah. an outfit together. Yeah. But I don't really care if it's expensive or mm-hmm. a real thing or whatever. I'm very allergic to thi- to metals. Are you? Like, even sterling silver I have a hard time yeah. with. Um, So I have to like. You have to be careful. I used to put like um, um nail polish like clear nail polish yeah. on that stuff so it has to be even gold I'll have a minor reaction to yeah so it has to be real for me to wear it which sucks because I love earrings and I'll wear them even though I feel like itching my face off and then my ears get really puffy <laughs> but I I like when I like to wear other jewelry it just sucks I can't no I get it so I do have to kind of have real stuff ish okay that's fine yeah so of all the jewels in the world there's one that stands out above the rest the hope diamond Ooh, interesting yes i don't know much about it but i've heard of it so this is i feel like i should say submitted for the approval of it happened to a friend of a friend <laughs> this is the story of the curse of the hope diamond Ooh, <laughs> i like it 
I like it. Yes. So before Can we, we get... start doing that? What? Like whenever we do something Midnight like a cursed object stuff? or something. Yeah. Yes. So before we get into all the cursed stuff, let's do some Hope Diamond history, a.k.a. who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> who are you, Jewel? Yes. The diamond is said to date back almost four centuries in terms of past ownership. It is estimated that before it was cut, the diamond weighed approximately 112.23 carats. Currently, Holy. the weight is 45.52 carats. The stone is admired and beloved for its rare blue color, a result of trace boron atoms. Hmm. I don't know what any of these things mean, so I'm not a scientist. Okay. Yeah. Although maybe you thought I was, but I'm not. I definitely didn't think you were a scientist. Okay, good. But the current value is estimated as 200 to 250 million. That is a lot of doll hairs. Wow. Yeah, it is a lot of dollars. That's a lot of doll hairs. Ugh. I just hate dolls. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Okay, now, now what we're all here for, the history of the curse and the people who were affected. Okay. It's a little bit longer than, it was like eight pages instead of five pages of notes. Oh. So I'm going to try and get through it fast because it's my snacking hour. Um, no, just tell the story. Okay. I won't interrupt so much. Okay. The diamond is said to have been part of a Hindu statue when it was stolen by a Hindu priest. The stone was then cursed and the priest suffered a horrible death. The curse was to affect anyone else who acquired the stone. And there are a lot more people that acquired a stone. A lot more than I thought. And I kind of got bored of writing after a while. <laughs> I, like, why do we still handwrite our notes? I don't know. We're both really stupid. We're really I feel weird. like we could, yeah. I could be typing my notes. Oh, <laughs> we're getting wonky again. We're getting wonky. It's probably because we both t are talking about somewhat cursed shit. And we're probably cursed our technology. Maybe. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now I'm recording off of your mic because my program is going really slow. Okay. A French merchant named Jean-Baptiste Tavernier bought it around 1642. The stone was referred to as the Tavernier Blue for its owner and the brilliant color. Tavernier was the next apparent victim of the diamond. After selling it to Louis XIV, and I had to actually write out the number because it was in Roman numerals. And I, I don't know the Roman numerals, so I had to, like, look it up and then write down the actual number. <gasps> Shit, they should still be teaching in school, am I right? I know. Roman numerals and cursive. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and sold it to King Louis XIV for a large sum. He was then mauled by wild dogs in Constantinople and torn apart. <laughs> okay. Yes, so that was one of the first victims. No diamonds worth that. No. And if you want to talk, just grab the mic. I know, I can. I okay. like it when I'm in the background. Do you? Okay. So now King Louis has the rock. He recut it and it became known as the Blue Diamond of the Crown or the French Blue. King Louis suffered from various ailments, including boils, diabetes, shout out diabetes, and gout. All but one of his legitimate children died in early childhood. King Louis himself died of gangrene just before his 77th birthday. So really, curse or no curse, I'd say that's a pretty good long life for the 1700s. 77 yeah. like that's pretty good didn't he have he had like lots of sex and stuff too i think so i think he had a mistress yeah. and he had like children with the mistress mm -hmm. that's why i said the legitimate children yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was a whore yes the diamond then fell into the hands of a man named nicholas Fouquet. Fouquet. i don't i don't know how to say this Fouquet. Fouquet? okay we're gonna go with Fouquet. i'm glad you're here see that's better that you can see my notes i might yeah I don't so know. you can help me i could be wrong 
Uh, Fouquet was the superintendent of France's finances during King Louis XIV's reign. The king allowed Fouquet to wear the stone for special occasions. Shortly after wearing it, Fouquet was charged with improper handling of the state's funds and was imprisoned until his death in 1680. Okay. <laughs> there are rumors he was the real man in the Iron Mask. And I watched that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, just like shout out to the days when men wore more jewelry and fancier shoes and shit than women. I know. Gone are the days of fanciness. <laughs> okay. In grand tradition of, well, tradition, the next in line to own the diamond was, obviously, King Louis the Fifteenth. Yeah. And then I wrote down, you were shocked, right? No. <laughs> I could see those coming. This King Louis started out strong in his reign, but over the years, France's treasury was drained due to the Seven Years, seven years War. The royal authority began declining, and he died a hated man. So that was basically, like, he just died. He was hated yeah. after he had yeah. this. So after 15 comes 16, as in Louis the Sixteenth. The next one in line. The diamond was part of the crown jewels, and although there are no portraits of either him or Marie Antoinette wearing it, it is reported that they did. So I guess this is how their downfall came about, because we all know what happened to them. Yeah. Beheadings. Exactly. Not just beheadings, like <laughs> the first, not the first guillotine, but like the public guillotines of royals and just like a whole bunch of crazy shit. The siege of the castle, all of their friends were killed. Like it was quite quite a thing was it i don't know yeah i'm a little obsessed i saw the marie antoinette movie by sofia coppola it was pretty good i saw versailles okay (laughs) (laughs) you win win. (laughs) marie antoinette's lady lady in waiting marie therese princess de lambelle was also known to wear the diamond she was dragged from the court for refusing to denounce the king and was stripped tortured decapitated and her head placed on a pike oh yeah so that's what yeah 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 so there was so during this time of like the revolution there was some looting and some of the crown jewels were stolen including the diamond so it kind of went lost Mm -hmm. for a few years it said a man named wilhelm wilhelm falls came in possession of it and it was he was the one who cut it from 69 carats to 45 carats to the 45 carat that we know today his son stole the gem, killed his father, and then committed suicide. Holy shit. Wait. He committed what? suicide. Did he sell it? No. Um, so I just have the diamond changed hands for years after, for a few years after that until it turned up in the gem catalog of Henry Philip Hope, a London banker. It's at this time it became known, known as the Hope Diamond. Hope died shortly after acquiring the stone, passing it to his nephew, Henry Thomas Hope. Um, Henry was a gambler and plagued with many financial problems. He sold the diamond to pay off debts, debts, lost his foot in a hunting accident, divorced his wife, and died a poor man. Oh my god, that is a cursed necklace. Yes. Well, not just the, just, it's the diamond itself. Yeah, the diamond. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. It has a cursed gem. So now I'm just going to do a quick diamond history buy and sell just because there are so many. And uh, they're all cursed. They're all apparently cursed. Okay. Oh, so a man named Simon Frankel acquired it in 1901 for $148,000 in then, in then in time money. money. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing I like notes. that you're looking at my notes. Um, he sold it to Jacques Collette, who later went mad and committed suicide. It then went to Russian prince Ivan Kanatowski, 
He loaned it to his actress lover, Lauren Ledoux. Uh, the first time that she wore it, she was shot on stage by a man in the audience. Oh, my God. Kanatowski himself was stabbed to death a few weeks later. Um, next is a Greek jewel broker named Simon. Okay, I don't even know how to say this. Simon Maun Charides. I don't even know. Simon M. Okay. We're going to call him Simon yeah. M. He quickly sold it to a diamond merchant named Habib Bey. After the deal went through, Simon M. drove his carriage over a cliff, killing himself, his wife, and his child. I don't think it was on purpose. I think it was an accident, but still, they all died. Fuck, we shouldn't even talk about this. <laughs> After a few more passes and unfortunate events, it was bought by Pierre Cartier. Yes, Cartier. that Cartier, the fancy French jeweler. Cartier tried to sell it to Evelyn Walsh, an American mining heiress and socialite. At first, she was not interested, but Cartier set it in a more modern piece and let her borrow it sort of for a weekend. She was very quickly smitten and the deal was struck for her husband to purchase it. Evelyn didn't believe in the curse and said things that usually brought people bad luck brought her good luck. She wore it often to social events, and although she kept it until the end of her life, she had various tragedies. Her mother-in-law died after she got the diamond. Her nine-year-old son was hit by a car and killed. Her husband went off with another woman. Her husband's reckless spending and erratic behavior forced the sale of the Washington Post, which he had inherited, and he was committed to a psychiatric hospital. Her only daughter died of a drug overdose and in the end the diamond was left to her grandchildren but in order to pay off debts it was sold along with the rest of her jewelry quest her jewelry collection to harry winston and now fun facts because fun fun facts facts are fun fun. bing the jewel collection consisted of the 94.8 carat star of the east diamond which i looked that estimated value up and it's worth five million approximately today a 15-carat Star of the South diamond, which I couldn't find the value of that. Okay. A 9-carat green diamond and a 31-carat diamond now called the McLean diamond. She had a lot of bling. Holy shit. Yeah. Fucking rich people, am I right? I know. They deserve a- <laughs> Harry Winston donated it to the Smithsonian in 1958. The final victim of the curse was the postman, James Todd, who delivered the diamond. He had crashed his truck and shattered his leg. He got in another crash, resulting in a head injury. He'd lost his wife and dog to untimely deaths. And then part of his house burned down. Oh my God. Yeah. Since this, since the, Mismo- the Smithsonian has had it, there has been no other curse-related mishaps. And that is the curse of the Hope Diamond. And now you can have the mic back. I am done. That is fucked up. I feel like we're ha- that's why we're having bad luck right now. Because <laughs> that's, that's a pretty cursed diamond. That's a lot. And you said there was more? There was there was a lot. There was a few other people and curses and stuff. But I just, I was getting bored of writing and yeah, sitting and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm just going to stop and finish it off. Yeah. We got to edit sometimes. Okay. Well, I looked at it and like it was... Like, the color is really pretty, but the setting was kind of ugly. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. I thought it was when you were talking about how it went to, like, the the French kings. There was, like, this other story, like, the affair of, like, a necklace that got stolen and stuff. I thought that's what you were talking about originally, but it's not the same thing. 
No, that is not what I decided to talk about. There might not be a whole lot of back and forth in this episode, people, because we have to share the mic, and that's hard. That's okay. So I'm talking about, uh, well, I'll just start. So ever since seeing Winifred Sanderson's spell book given to her by the devil himself and bound in human skin with its creepy eye, I was both curious and creeped out by the idea of a witch's spell book or grimoire. I love Hocus Pocus. It's a great movie. I feel like if you, there's something wrong with you if you don't love it or if you weren't somehow like affected by it in your youth. I agree. It's, it's amazing. Um, I maybe watched it a little bit. I'm not going to cite my sources <laughs> at all. There were a lot. and um, But I watched Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I watched the Hail Satan documentary. And I watched The Ninth Gate in, while making my notes. Because I've been researching this for a while now. So yeah. So a grimoire is um, a collection of spells, rituals, instruments. Sorry, instructions to make magical talismans or objects. And or for summoning otherworld beings from angels to demons, even the devil. That's spooky. Ooh, and we're getting to spooky season. That's fun. Yeah. We're going to have to do like a whole Halloween spooktacular. I think we should. Well, I thought that this could be like the kind of like, for me anyways, like an entryway into getting into like Halloween-y stuff because I wanted to do this for a while and I kind of just kept pushing it and pushing it to get to spooky season. A popular and well-known, though not often categorized as a grimoire, would be the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So basically, like, there are a lot of mystical texts and religious texts, etc. But unless their, like, whole purpose is to instruct on spells and and, and demons and stuff like that, then it's not considered a grimoire. It's just considered, like, a spiritual text. So the Egyptian Book of the Dead would be considered a grimoire. Um, you've heard of it, right? But do you know fully what it is? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. It's in like the mummy and stuff. Like it's like a... Oh, okay. Yeah, I know like the... the it's like... Oh, what's it called in the mummy? I don't know. I don't know. The but raw. Yes. But yes. Yeah, so I, I know what you're talking about from the mummy. That's a good movie. I like that movie. I did too. Um, so it's not so much like just an assembled book. Um, these were spells that were incorporated into the funerary rites. And it was mainly of wealthy individuals. It was commonplace from 1550 to 1069 BC, although the first, quote, pyramid texts um, that had some of these rituals dated back as far as the as 2345 BC. So there's a little, my, it, this one's a little boring. It's Is it very long? No. Okay. I'm, I, I like, like, what, what you might call it, witchcraft and stuff. Yeah. So I'm very excited. One time in grade six, I had to do um, a project on the Salem witch trials because we were doing... I think we were studying New England and we all had to like talk about something from New England. So there was like whales and blah, blah, blah. I wanted to do whales, Mm -hmm. but we had to pick numbers. Yeah. And I got number three. So two other people before me already picked whales. So I had to pick something else. So I picked the Salem witch trials and it was like the best decision I've ever made. Cause now I'm like obsessed with creepy, weird, true crimey things. Okay. So two, so two things on that could have done pirates, which is really cool. Whales are terrifying. I hate those fuckers. And um, like I get their purpose, but they're scary. We'll talk about it another time. And we should go because my niece is in Boston. So we should plan a trip down to like see one of her regattas and go to Salem. I'm down. Let's let's plan this shit. It's cool. I've been. We have so many trips to take. (laughs) A lot. If everybody just keeps listening and telling their friends, then maybe we can afford to take them on. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways. (laughs) 
Okay, so back to the Egyptian Book of the Dead. This is even like the small one and it's lasted forever. Um, okay, so the book is basically set on papyri, which is which is the, the multiple of papyrus. And it contains spells and information in regards to the deities and obstacles met in the afterlife. The text mainly is mainly written in black and red is used for opening and closing rites, special instructions, and dangerous creatures. So yeah, just a little fun fact. Because fun facts are fun. Bing. I like that. I like the back and forth. I hope it sounds good. <laughs> um, a lot of the spells and rites were also placed in the wrappings. Yes, mummification and the care of the body were part of all of this. So they would actually have incantations on the wrappings of the body. They also wore amulets and talisman um, that had the spells on them. And it was even written on the sarcophagus. So for like an example of the spells, there is one that's like to open their mouth so that they can speak in the afterlife. There's one to like open their butts so they can like poop in the afterlife. I'm not joking. They literally have spells for everything that they'll be able to do. It said that there's this place where there's like snakes and crocodiles in the afterlife. And when if you come across them, then there's like a spell you can say that says like the beast of the snake is in my belly and I overcome you. Like so all these spells are written there so that they can take them with them as their belief. Um, so, yeah, that's the Egyptian Book of the Dead. So that's kind of one of the oldest forms of a grimoire. Neat. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, what's up next? Okay. So I'm going to talk about the Key of Solomon. Listen, it this is con- super confusing. Like, there are so many grimoires with names that are very close. So in addition to the Key of Solomon, which is what I'm going to be talking about, there's the Clavicle of Solomon. There's the Lesser Key of Solomon, which are actually not necessarily related to this, although they might derive some stuff from it, but it's like, not even a faction so I'm going to tell you a little bit about King Solomon as well during this whole thing and I'm yes King Solomon from the Bible a lot of grimoires and like the Catholic Church specifically are linked a little bit it's kind of weird like popes and exorcism all that stuff like it's all related to some of these grimoires which is kind of cool you can't see but I am nodding my head in like acknowledgement of what Megan is saying it's just because I don't have a mic in front of me I don't want to talk and be in the background so I am here. I am acknowledging. I'm very excited. And go. Okay. So King Solomon apparently wrote the book for his son and commanded it be buried or hidden with him when he died. It was unearthed by B- Babylonian philosophers. And the text was uninterpretable. Like it didn't make any sense. Which, spoiler, I'm going to talk about an uninterpretable text in the end of this as well. And um, so somebody got the idea to ask the Lord God for help and to help understand and an angel appeared and he told a man named Ehoe Gravis I don't know how to say that obviously that if he kept the text secret and hidden from the unworthy and wicked he would be able to read it so Ehoe Gravis Gravis placed a spell on the book that those unworthy would not be able to use the spells or wouldn't obtain the desired effect so a little bit about King Solomon if you don't know because I'm not super religious I you know I dabbled when I was younger but I don't remember everything is it a who are you and what are you doing here? Yeah. You have to announce it. Okay. <laughs> I can never announce it properly. He was an early king of Israel. Um, he asked God for wisdom. And because God was pleased that that's what he asked for instead of wealth or power, God gave him wisdom, wealth, and power. But it corrupted him and he turned away from God. Um, one of the big things that he did was um, he married a an Egyptian woman. <laughs> 
they all link together and who had who uh, had the multi-deity belief of, of Egypt which was obviously not what God would have liked um, but he also had a whole harem of other women and he prioritized making them happy particularly his um, Egyptian wife over God and his and he was just proud over you know tyrannical in the end um, so he fell out of favor with God fun fact again <laughs> We won't sing this because no. fun facts are fun things. You have to sing it. I know. He received 66, 666 talents of gold annually. So talents is like the weight of gold. But it's a little ironic that the number of the beast, which literally this has nothing to do with the number of the beast, is how many talents he got of gold a year. Bum, bum, bum. I googled the mark of the beast and it has nothing to do with it. Anyways, so the Key of Solomon is divided into two books. And like, I guess he learned a lot of this he, with the wisdom that he received from God. Um, so the first part is conjurations, invocations to summon demons and the dead to compel them to do the summoner's will. The second part is purifications to, quote, clothe themselves, magical implements and how to construct animal sacrifices. Yeah, that's it. Neat. So a little, a little dark, um, but uh, the essence is to be able to summon and control these demons. Okay. And like, I don't think they cared about animal sacrifices. Like, I think they killed animals, obviously a lot to eat, and it wasn't as big a deal as it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's, um, so what do I have here? Throwing you off with me right beside you? No? Okay. Well. Just making sure. I'm not like, I'm not hovering. I just want to see what you have. I'm getting like a sneak peek. Okay. So the the known grimoire to the key to Solomon um, was written using the ancient text in text in the 14th and 15th century. Um, there was like a little boost of several texts at this time. It's inspired. Oh, so also written around the same time, inspired but not exact reference to um, are the clavicle, the lesser key of Solomon, those sort of things that I was talking about. And then they also took a lot of, a lot of the grimoires around this time took a lot of teaching from Arab magicians and the Jewish Kabbalists. So Ooh. because we're not referencing it a lot, um, and because we, we, I don't know that much about those things, um, I just want it to be pointed that like a lot of this comes from multiple um, religions, not just Christianity even though we talk about demons specifically and stuff and God. Yeah. Um, the Kabbalah itself, I should note, has a lot of mystical teachings and it does have like rituals and stuff, but because it is a religious text and has other points of knowledge in it, it's not considered a grimoire. Madonna created Kabbalah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> she does the Kabbalahs. She does do the Kabbalahs. I've always I mean, to no disrespect. I just... I I just like to be silly. Yeah, I know. I hear you because I think I associate it with Madonna too because <laughs> she made it mainstream. Um, but I would be interested in learning a little bit more about it, Jewish Jewish mysticism. I'm also um, kind of obsessed with Jewish things and I don't know why. Hmm. Like I really, really, really like them. I love Jewish people. I love everything. Anyways, that's a, that's a tale for another day. Oh, yeah. And then so I made this cute little note that says, would you read aloud from a grimoire? Yeah, I don't know. Yes? No. You might change your mind. You're looking at me like the answer should be no. Uh, if it was like a white, I think there I think there are Wiccans and white grimoires. I think like a light grimoire, maybe. But some of the curses are 
placed around intention. So the curses that they put on them is like, if you're just like fucking around, you're either something bad's going to happen to you or it's not going to work anyways, right? Do I get snacks? Is one of the things in the thing a snack? Um, there's one Spell. about agriculture <laughs> later on. I just want snacks. Like popcorn, agriculture. I don't know. Anyways, so I'm t- going to talk. I'm going to move on now to like the master grimoire. So it's it kind of gets like a little bit weird, but um, some of the history. So I kind of call bullshit. But I think a lot of it's too like kind of like when we talked about secret societies, how they kind of throw you off. Like there's no real full history of things, mm-hmm. um, but they can prove that there was texts from this time, etc. Because there's like what I'm going to talk about somebody who they're like, we don't know if this is a fictional person or not. Anyways, maybe the story of Eohe Gravis and the spell he put over the key of Solomon is the reason grimoires are sometimes seen to be cursed. It could be that you are dabbling with demons, though, that bring the bad omens and misfortune. I read that weird, too. But, no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's like kind of like when you play with a Ouija board, you can open portals and shit. Like, the Ouija board isn't cur- cursed. You just fucking invited something in. And, yeah, so the power from this next grimoire apparently surpasses all. So this is like Winifred's. It cannot be torn, burned, or destroyed. If read by a non-believer or of unworthy, an unworthy, a curse is upon them. It's considered so dangerous, it is held in the Vatican's secret archives. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you later on, it's like the most powerful one. Um, it was also reportedly found in King Solomon's tomb, but apparently later on in the 1700s, but written in the 1500s. So... Uh, I don't know like where that weird history comes because also the key of Solomon was found in his tomb by Babylonian philosophers. So I don't know. (laughs) Weird, unless he was amassing a collection. I don't really understand where like both of this history comes from, but I think it's important to mention. It was apparently written by some dude named Honorius of Thebes, who was either the devil in human form or possessed by the devil. Also, sorry if I did brush my teeth before I came, but sorry if I have bad breath because we're so close. I ate some almonds before you came, so I'm sorry if I have almond breath. Mm, that sounds nice. I can't smell it. Um, there is also, like, uh, some text of, po- like, that's a grimoire of the Pope Honorius III. I don't even know if I'm saying this name right, but popes, because they were exercising demons, took a lot of interest in grimoires, and he wrote a grimoire too. So those aren't to be confused with each other, because this shit's really intertwined. It's very incestuous, which is right on the nose. Um <laughs> So this is considered the most potent and powerful. It can be used to summon Lucifer himself or Lucifage Ruficale. I don't know how you say that, but it's apparently his um, his like right-hand man. All the rituals should be followed so as to create protection from the entities and to be able to make a pact. So there are, you can read this. I was kind of reading it now. I'm like paranoid that something's going to happen, but that's why I don't talk about cursed objects. I get super paranoid. <laughs> Good thing we both did some kind of yeah, cursed object seriously. this week. I'm taking back roads home slowly. Oh, God, now I'll be murdered. We'll see. Anyways, I'll text you when I get home so you know I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically like it wants you to follow and do all of the rituals. Um, so this these include creating a rod of protection so you can threaten Lucifer and the demons <laughs> that you will smite them. And uh, there's the sacrifice as a baby goat, which is referred to as a kid. Hopefully some ignorant people don't read this and actually use children. Yeah, because you wear the skin and then you like burn the rest of it. And you wear the skin for like all the rituals. So that's a little weird. But again, probably normal back in the time. Um, And then in the 18th century, it became edited and published as the Grand Grimoire with the Clavicle of Solomon, which is again the other text I told you about, 
also known as the Red Dragon. Um, during this time, there was a boom of grimoires in France. So now I'm kind of moving away from that one. And uh, the most common one was the Petite Albert, which was really cute. It's not really cute, but it it taught sex magic, Ooh. improving agriculture, agriculture, so snacks. <laughs> I'm pointing at Sarah. Avoiding inconveniences like poisoned bad crops or whatever, um, foxes taking your chickens, shit like that. Cooking recipes, soap making. It also tells you how to make a hand of glory, which is the hand of a dead, like a hanged man. Oh. And you also like boil it down and use the fat from it to make a candle. I don't know. It's really fucked up. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Ugh. <laughs> um, hopefully you can't really get those. <laughs> but it's still used. The Petite Albert is still used um, some of the rituals as a basis in hoodoo practices which we will find out when we go to New Orleans. Okay. Um, and then it's also still used by the Obeya men of the West Indies. And then the Grand Grimoire is still used in Haiti, I think I'd read. Okay. So it's just interesting to see, like, the because they have the French colonized backgrounds, both of those places, um, these grimoires have been, like, like still used in the culture. You kind of looked at me as if I was supposed to know the answer to I, that yeah, question. I don't know. I, <laughs> It's like you were looking at me for, I, I, I don't no, know. I no, it is. It's, it is. It was. It's just, uh, I like to talk with an upward inflection. <laughs> so a little bit about um, the Book of Shadows, um, which is, or a Book of Shadows, which is a grimoire for Wiccans. Okay. So we're getting into like modern day times. So basically it was a coin termed by who is known as the father of Wicca, which is Gerald Gardner. He, although he kind of coined this term thought every witch should have one he also believed that they should be burned upon their death the grimoires so that there wouldn't be proof that they were witches this was like in the early 1900s so it was kind of past the kind of past the point of burning at the stake and stuff however they found his grimoire <laughs> amongst his notes which was called ye book of ye art magical magical i don't know i like that you put a little like accent on the, on the end of things like know. it's italian or french Look, or the book of ye whatever of so shouldn't it be like so it should know. have like an english accent yeah it do it. Ye, ye old book of magic yeah magic with a k okay well it's fine that you canadianize it because it is in canada now um oh. it was bought by two canadians of the wiccan order i don't know what it's called but it's in canada he derived a lot of his um knowledge and stuff from Alistair Crawley Ooh. of the Hermetic Order of the yes. Golden Dawn. Yes, shout out. Anyways, I, I knew it was going to come back to this at some point because a lot <laughs> of the grimoires were used for secret societies and, and occults and stuff like that. So yeah, so that's kind of like the most modern grimoires. I got okay. one more. Okay. So this is where I had mentioned that like the, um, the original Key of Solomon was illegible like it was you couldn't understand it so there is something called the Voynich manuscript which I had never heard of have you uh, no I've obviously. never even I've never even really heard of these grimoires so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never you know they exist but it's kind of like mythical right I guess so sure a lot of them it's like a whole thing it's not like mythical hooey there's a lot of them and they a lot of them deal with demons and stuff but there are some like white ones and stuff too so very interesting 
I don't know if anything works because I clearly have never used one and I'm afraid of curses. So not likely to. So the Voynich manuscript is possibly a grimoire. I say possible because we really don't know. Also possibly of another origin besides this reality or planet. Um, it's an undeciphered text, um, maybe created in Italy. And it has words in it that are Latin and high German, um, like the words that are identifiable. It's named after the owner of the book, who was a Polish dealer named Wilfred, ooh, Wilfred Winifred um, Voynich, who took position in 1912. So book like dealers tend to like be a little bit nerdy about it and try to track it. He was also known for like mysteries and wanting to decipher and stuff like that. So he was able to trace its ownership um, back to 1665. And there are theories about before, but they don't know totally. It was carbon tested, um, which was placed, which placed it in the 1400s. So I think it was written in the 1400s. Its texts are of an unknown language or origin and could be a code or it could be a remote dialect unseen before. So it looks like um, it reads left to right. It looks like writing, like kind of handwriting-ish that we would see today, but it's an unidentifiable language. Um, and I'll get there, but like lots of people have tried to decode it and nobody has been able to do it for years. It has, so it covers, they can tell that it covers based on pictures or whatever they're able to kind of decipher on herbal, astronomical, balneological, healing through baths is what that means, cosmological, pharmaceutical, um, and recipes are the areas that it covers. The image, images appear both earthly unearth, and unearthly. So plants that you look at that you might be like, okay, yeah, that's definitely a plant that I can detect. And then other ones that look like they're maybe not even from this planet. And then there's also um, astronomy. Like there's pictures of, I guess that's what cosmological is, um, of the cosmos. And then it's 240 pages and uncoded to this date. Despite many people and establishments interested in um, trying to, there is even the NSA. Do you know what the NSA is? I don't know what that is. Please explain. <laughs> um, there, it's what is it? The National Security Agency. Okay. Um, the U.S. that they deal with, like a lot of times when they talk about it, it's like the internet stuff, monitoring oh. and stuff like that, like just UFOs and shit. Like they deal with all that stuff. There's a 140 exploration document on like whether it's legit, its origins, all that stuff. It's quite a document. I was trying to read it, but it was small font and I didn't use it as a source because it was a lot. Um, and its permanent home is Yale University's library. And you can actually view it in its entirety on the Yale website. Nice. Ta-da! <laughs> it's really cool to look at. It's kind of very enigmatic and it's apparently verified as legitimate mm -hmm. but nobody knows what the fuck oh yeah we'll post a picture when we release this on instagram <laughs> yes so yeah that's those are grimoires i like it mm -hmm. um do you want to do your throwback first or do you want me to do mine first i didn't look at it don't worry i didn't what's look yours? what's yours okay so to go along with my story i'm gonna throw back to the movie titanic oh yeah because it looks like that yes but it's not there was even an article that said the Hope Diamond was not in the movie Titanic, nor was it on the Titanic. So I'm going to throw back to that movie. I saw it, I think, five times in theater. What? I know. I don't think I've seen it five times in my life. I saw it a lot in theaters, and I saw it a bunch more on video. Kevin has never seen it. Good for him. <laughs> he should never watch it. 
I I can't even say it's a good movie. Like, and, and there's been so many things saying like Jack could have fit on that door. Like, yeah, like what the fuck? <laughs> like, like come on, Rose. Like, why didn't you just let him on the door? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I saw it a lot of times. I can't even really say what I liked about it. I mean, the scene at the end with like the old couple and they're just lying in their bed and they die together, like that always gets to me. I think there's a scene at the end where a mom is like putting her kids to bed, like she's reading to them and that always got to me. I mean, I guess the love story is kind of, kind of okay. When Jack's on the boat saying I'm king of the world, actually that was in a Simpsons episode like a lot of years before because Homer is going over to... <laughs> it's he's trying to like look cool to Bart so he's on he's on a skateboard and he's jumping over like two mountain cliffs kind of thing and like when he's flying over it he's like I'm the king of the world so yeah so it's not even usually Simpsons like has those real smart references afterwards but before whoa I know I just realized that you weren't talking into the mic because I was holding it I'm sure it'll be fine (laughs) It fell. <laughs> this is great. This is a weird thing on top of my little baby mic. Yeah. My mic is so tiny compared to your mic. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm going to throw back to the movie Titanic. And play? no, I'm not. I, I can. I'll lip sync. Listen, if you want to talk, I'll bring you the mic. No, I didn't want to say that. Okay. Um, yes. I do go not s- have what they call talent. Yes. Go. Go. Celine. Um, yeah, it was it was like a movie mm-hmm. of my youth that I watched a lot and I loved it then. I can't tell you why now because it's not even hot Leonardo DiCaprio. Like I liked Leonardo DiCaprio oh, yeah. when he was Romeo. Romeo. Yes. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay, let's throw back Romeo and Juliet <laughs> instead. I can't even. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. It has the best soundtrack. It has the best. I can't even tell me this is like a huge inside joke for like me and one of my best friends like it's a huge thing for us that soundtrack it's on in my car right now I have the CD and it's in the CD player and I listened to it just yesterday shut up I have the CD somewhere too and I was gonna uh, pull it out because it was on the radio that like one of the I forget even what song it was but it was uh it was talking about this song from the soundtrack one of the best songs ever it's like it's probably is it the kissing you song or is it the is it the cardigans no not Love Fool? It. No. Because I think those were the two that were on the radio. No, it was one that I think it was like adapted or written just for the soundtrack. I forget what song it is. Was it the Everclear song? No. Okay. Butthole Surfers? No. Radiohead? Maybe it's the radio. I think it was the Radiohead song actually, yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that's the one that I was listening to yesterday. Because sometimes I just turn it on when the radio sucks. It's good. It's like it good. Is. Can you, I cannot believe that you have. This is why we're friends. <laughs> That, like nobody has that nobody even had that cd when i was younger like I was the only oh one i even it. had the second one where it's all like the instrumental yeah, stuff yeah yeah there's something on that one that's not on the other one that i loved i can't remember that what that is either but i'm gonna have to go fucking down my basement and pull out the cd now it's or le- i can download it on itunes but i'm not going to it's legit in my car and i think i have it downloaded on spotify that's so funny okay now do your throwback and then, ooh, then I can get in some snack time. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, I don't know what it is about Titanic either, but it is intriguing and entertaining for sure. And I think, like, just the massiveness of it and the tra- tragedy of it makes it interesting to watch. So I get it. I just – it's really long. I can't watch movies that long all the time. <laughs> I've seen Romeo and Juliet. Whoops. 800 million times, though. 
Yes, I've saw I've seen it lots. I have owned the VHS when that right. came out. I have the DVD, and I think it's on like two different streaming and your services. Still hasn't seen it. No, he has seen that, oh. but I rewatch it a lot. Like I love that movie so much. Oh my god! And now I kind of want to. I guess. Okay, so my throwback, and I don't even know if the names, the names of these apparently were not right, is hand games songs from when you were kids in school. So, like, you know when you, like, clap your hands and hit each other with hands? Miss Mary Mac, yes. Mac, Mac, all dressed in black, okay. black, black with silver buttons, 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 buttons all down, down her back, back, back. Okay, wait, listen. <laughs> Can you name another one? Mm-hmm. I have a list. Oh, I don't, that's, like, the name. I always thought it was CC My Playmate, but it's Say, say, oh, playmate, apparently. So you oh, see my playmate, playmate. come out and play, play with me. me. Yeah. And bring your dollies free, climb up my apple tree, slide down my, was it rainbow? Rain, yeah. Into my cellar door. Yeah. And we'll be jolly friends forever more, more, <laughs> shut the door. And remember, like, too, like, we're like, what does that mean? Like, that's the weirdest, that was the weirdest one. Yeah. Because I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, okay, so then I have Miss Sue. Miss Sue from Alabama, sitting on a rocker, eating Betty Crocker. No? Watching the clock go tick, tock, tick, tock, banana rock. Okay. I I say it's. I swear everybody says it differently because I I looked up lyrics. And then there's, down, down, baby, down by the roller coaster. Okay. That's also in the movie Big. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, the the guys sing it, yeah. And then the group one that you do in school, Stella El Ola. Clap, clap, clap. Yes, yeah. Um, and then there's Miss Susie, but I remember it being Miss Molly. It was Miss Molly had a steamboat. The steamboat had a bell toot toot. Miss Molly went to heaven. The steamboat went to hello operator. Please give me number nine. If you disconnect me, I'll kick you in behind the yellow curtain. There was a piece of glass. Miss Molly sat upon it and broke her little. Ask me no more questions. Please tell me no more lies. The boys are in the washroom doing up their flies. Are in the city. The bees are in the park. Miss Molly and her boyfriend are kissing in the deep. A R K spells. Oh, we always did. Dark is like the movie. The movie's like the show. And we lost all our listeners. So we're not superstitious. But we're a little stitches. Bye. Bye.